Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. Just before Christmas, uh, Chancellor of the Exchequer Jeremy Hunt went to Scotland and announced plans to axe swathes of regulation as part of the so-called Edinburgh reforms. He referenced 30 reforms, including changes to a number of rules created after the financial crash in 2008, such as the senior manager regime. This, the Chancellor told us, was part of the UK seizing our Brexit freedoms to deliver an agile and homegrown regulatory regime that works in the best interests of the British people. So, uh, will that happen? Will these proposals work? And how will advisors be affected, if at all? We obviously can't go through uh, all 30 reforms, but we are going to pick out uh, a few of the ones which are most relevant uh, to uh, our listeners, our advisors. With me to discuss this are Simon Harrington, Head of Public Affairs at PIMFA, and Ben Blackett-Ord, Executive Chair of Boval. Hello, both. Hello. Hi, Damien. Thanks for having us on. No problem. Um, so among the announcements uh, was a planned review of the senior manager regime. Uh, advisors have uh, only relatively recently uh, started complying uh, with the senior regime, and for, for many of them, it's already a fairly light-touch regime. Um, Simon, is, what, what, if anything, isn't, isn't working here, do you think, for advisors? So... I, I think this is uh, I think this is one of these reforms where I think we have to sort of look at it in the sort of zoom out somewhat and 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 remember that financial services reform is not just about this sector it's about the sector as a whole so when when we've sort of discussed this with members they have been somewhat surprised that this is maybe not for the chopping block but certainly for reform as there isn't really anything that they report back as being especially onerous or otherwise. So from our perspective, we are committed to sort of engaging constructively sort of with any reform of the SMCR, but there isn't actually any specific points that we want to sort of hammer home to the Treasury with respect with, with respect to what needs to be reformed. So I think our specific message on this is more be cognizant of the fact that this is something which is been implemented reasonably recently. And whilst we would support any sort of reform, whilst we would support further efficiencies across the UK regulatory landscape, we also sort of wouldn't support throwing the baby out with the bathwater to, to, to some extent. And as a result, we, we would like the current construction of SMCR or at least something very similar to it to remain. Mm. Ben, what do you think on that? I think I think the problem is 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 more about process than substance. I think the you know very much what we're hearing is that the regime is far too bureaucratic um, in that approvals take far too long to come through for really a, a, a whole range of senior individuals. Um, there are particular problems I think where individuals are moving from one firm to another and particularly where there is perceived to have been a problem in the first firm that the individual may have had nothing to do with, but um, the regulator still seems to be perhaps using that as a, as a reason to, 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 to delay and, um, um, you know, and continue to ask, you know, to, to, to ask questions of those, of those individuals. So I think from a, from a bureaucratic point of view, it's, it's a problem. Um, we've also recently seen instances of the FCA or heard of instances of the FCA going and asking firms themselves for references, which is interesting and perhaps an indication that the um the the, the you know the, the the regulatory reference system is not working in the way that it in the way that it should. 
But I think on a more on a more positive note, I think that the regime has driven up standards, and um, and, and I would agree with, with with Simon that that you know actually, in substance, I don't think there's a huge amount a huge amount wrong with it. I guess a, just a, just a final point is that something that we've been commenting on for some time is that the FCA and the PRA both seem to have failed to use the regime to hold individuals to account, which kind of was its point in the first place. So, so to some extent, it's possibly lost its teeth. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, changing it too too dramatically would be the the, the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. I think Ben sort of picks up on something quite important, which I suspect will sit across the entirety of these 30 or so reforms. And it is not necessarily that the sort of conception of the policy is necessarily wrong, but it hinges on the application of it. Um, And that will ultimately be sort of the challenge, both the government and the regulators going forward. We, we, We absolutely sort of support wider reform. We think it's absolutely right that we should begin to build a handbook which is bespoke for UK firms. But ultimately, that is contingent on it being applied in a manner which is sort of proportionate and works for UK firms. And as he sort of sets out, the issue with SMCR is less the issue of the policy. It is the issue of the application of it. We still have significant, significant uh, delays with respect to authorizations, both of senior managers, but also of firms more generally. And obviously, the FCA has improved in that in, the, in some regards. But but we are still sort of um, receiving reports from firms that they are expecting experiencing backlogs of, of, of sort of significant amounts of time. Mm-hmm. I guess it's hard to um, encode uh, the, info- uh, the the, the impl- implementation of a, of a regulation into the actual regulation itself, though, if the FCA you know, chooses to implement it in a particular way. True. But I mean, one of the things that we were sort of quite clear with, with respect to our representations on the Financial Services Markets Bill, is that there should have been scope for the FCA to be given a duty to deliver workable regulation. Mm-hmm. And as we sort of move the discussion on and maybe sort of talk a little bit more about disclosure, I think that's that's absolutely an area where if you had a duty to sort of produce workable regulation, then maybe you wouldn't find yourselves going around in the circles that firms currently find themselves going around in. Mm-hmm. Well, well, let's move on to, to disclosure as it happens. One, one of the... Um, one of the bits of regulation that uh, we know the government definitely wants to get rid of completely is PRIPs. Um, but assuming there needs to be some sort of disclosure framework uh, that replaces it, uh, what what might a, a better one uh, look like, uh, Simon? So to begin with, I mean, we're, we're absolutely sort of over the moon that the, uh, that the government is doing away with PRIPs and, and you know, colleagues of, of mine, certainly not me, have, have done sort of a significant amount of work in this area. Prips, the Prips regime isn't fit for purpose. And it's clear that by sort of squeezing a very wide universe of assets into a fund-shaped disclosure template distorts the meaning and sort of renders it reasonably sort of useless to sort of retail consumers going forward. In terms of sort of what the principles for reform should be i think we sort of have to ask ourselves a couple of questions and the first is sort of what is it for 
are we looking to protect consumers? Are we looking to engage consumers? Are we looking to sort of educate them? And so we have to sort of build from a sort of a first principle set. And I think the most beneficial of those principles needs to be that you can't have it all, right? And that obviously comes at some form of cost to the consumer. But the evidence that we have at the moment is that consumers don't read the disclosure information which is sort of currently provided to them. So why don't we cut it down to something like five things you need to know about this product set? Why don't we consider whether or not there is actually any value in providing, for example, key information documents to advise clients? Uh, there is, I think, a very strong argument to say that an individual pays for advice in order for the advisor to tell them this is what we think or this is what I think would be of most benefit for you and I am recommending it to you. Why is it then incumbent upon the provider to provide that sort of, to provide the consumer with reams and reams of information, which in effect just reaffirms what that suitability should say anyway? And in a post in a post sort of consumer duty world, I think there's an argument for that to be stripped down significantly or even sort of just done away with totally. Ben, what do you think on this? <laughs> We're obviously going to come on in, in, in due course to, to talk about SDR, but I just want to point out that I think there are quite a lot of parallels between what's happening in the PRIPS world and what's happening in the SDR world. Um, and, and perhaps you could reflect that, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And I think what we're seeing in Prips is, you know, a direction away from prescriptive requirements and potentially giving more freedom to firms in terms of the way that they, you know, the the the, the way that they set out these these descriptors, et cetera, et cetera. And possibly we're seeing things going the other way in relation to SDR. But I think probably with both of both of those i think you've got a tension between um the more that you the more that you prescribe i think arguably the less useful the information is likely to be to investors but the more um uh, the more you give scope to firms to design their own information I think the sort of greater risk you've got of, of 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 some of this stuff becoming promotional in nature, and actually firms beginning to use it as as kind of as as, as sales aids and, and and that kind of thing. So I think you've got a you know it's a fine um, it's a fine balancing act that I think the FCA will have to achieve uh, between those two. But certainly um, I agree with Simon in that you know moving away from prips as as currently constructed. Um, has got to be has, has got to be a good thing. I mean, Simon talks about um, you know c- kind of having having less. I mean, I think um, seems to me that a you know a big statement along the lines of "Don't buy something you don't understand" um, is, is perhaps the essence of this. Mm. And do do you agree with Simon's point about uh, advice clients, not necessarily you know advice clients hiring advisors because not to have to deal with some of this stuff. Yes, I, yeah, I, absolutely. I think that you know, I mean, one one could argue that you know, where where has all this disclosure stuff come from? I think it's arguably come from the fact that actually, you know, retail clients are getting advice less and less. But I think it's a you know, it's a moot point as to whether actually 
um, giving retail clients reams of documentation to read, you know, that is not, uh, that does not equate to advice and 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 let's face it i don't know what the what the evidence says about whether retail clients actually read this stuff but um i have my own suspicions mm-hmm. um you, you mentioned uh, the issue of, of, of sdr then so let's let's move on to that next actually if, if i may um the, the treasury has said it will use uh, the edinburgh reforms to to make the uk the world's premier financial center for sustainable finance um uh, we're still waiting for, for the FCA's um, SDR rules uh, for advisors, which the regulator has told us will be released in, in due course for, for more than a year. Um, ben, what do you think the holdup is, is, is there? I think, I'll tell you what, what the what the FCA has done is put out a you know, consultation paper in relation to the you know, SDR requirements on, on, on products. And I think seeing seeing what comes out of that um, I think seems to be a sensible first step, and I think the, you know, even that that consultation paper I think is focusing people's minds that actually this is not straightforward territory. And I think you know we're slightly back to the the same sort of issues that that I was talking about earlier. You know, actually, kind of again, do you want, you know, to what extent do you want prescriptive buckets in which you're trying to you know, trying to you know jam your jam your financial products, or do you want a more kind of free form free form structure? And I think that debate has probably still got still got some way to go. And I think it's um, I think it's actually probably right that the FCA proceeds pretty cautiously on this one because I think it is I think it's a super tricky tricky area and and. And going back to what I said about PRIPs, you know, to some extent, it is a, a move in the opposite direction from what we're seeing in PRIPs. And, and you know, one has to slightly think, well, if it's a move in the opposite direction to another regulatory um, regulatory initiative, then um, if it's going the other way, then it should go the other way pretty cautiously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon, what do you think about that? I mean, I just agree with Ben. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> which, which makes for very bad podcast listening. But I like we have to sort of be, we have to be aware of sequencing here. And I, I, I think the point Ben makes about the inherent tension between the direction of travel of sort of regulation more generally and the very sort of prescriptive nature of where we are going with respect to sort of ESG regulation, SDR regulation is an important one because by its nature, I think what we sort of consider to be right with respect to sort of taxonomies and sort of uh, the underlying sort of asset classes with with respect to sort of ESG and SDR products lends itself to a more sort of prescriptive level of regulation than I think that the FCA and Treasury are necessarily comfortable with. Um, that being said, this is a piece of work that is ongoing. The the SEA is sort of engaging with it in a very sort of constructive manner. They are looking specifically at sort of suitability requirements with respect to sort of ESG regulation. And I would expect to hear more from them probably within the next few months. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're obviously thrilled that, that PRIPS is, is on its way out. Uh, ben suggested that... Um, we might be in a situation where SDR sort of um, replicates some of the some of the 
problems with PRIPs. How much of a concern should that be, do you think? Look, I, I think the, the biggest issue with, with PRIPs is that it was trying to compare sort of different product sets which were totally sort of incomparable. Um, and, and that sort of led to information which was sort of largely kind of misleading, etc. I think the risk with respect to sort of ESG labeled products is, is significantly reduced in that in that regard. And, and as a result, whilst I think there are sort of issues with respect to sort of product disclosures going forward, I don't think they're going to be as pronounced as they were perhaps. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, finally, one of the other things that the FC, that the um, Treasury has said it will be looking into as part of these um, reforms is um, a new remit. Uh, for the FCA, though it's been a little bit uh, vague on, on what that, that uh, might uh, involve. Um, so I'll, I'll ask you a very vague question then, I guess. Uh, ben, what do you think that could mean in practice and what would you like it to mean in practice? Short answer, I'm afraid, is that I don't think it'll mean very much in practice. <laughs> I mean, I think that, you know, I've been fairly close to the financial services regulatory regime in the UK for approximately the last 33 years. And, um, you know, and, and, and during that period, there, have, of course, been an awful lot of change. But at the end of the day, you know, regulators are still regulators. And, you know, their, their, key, um, their key focus, I think, around, you know, protecting investors and markets and, and all that good stuff has not actually changed um, terribly much over that period of time, and um, you know, sure, um, you know we're going we're going to have you know the, the the competition objective and and, and all that good stuff. But um, uh, do I see much change in practice? I think it's unlikely. Simon, what do you think? Look, I I think we have to sort of be realistic about the extent to which any new remit is going to sort of drastically change the regulator's output. You know, Michael Rati is not going to sort of wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to protect the integrity of markets and consumers, right? So the reality is, is that sort of any kind of change, any big macro change in that regard is, 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 is not necessarily going to be perceptible for firms. As I sort of said, at the beginning, though, you know, there is a sort of little point in sort of embracing the brave new world of a sort of new remit, regardless sort of how different that is, if your actions don't actually sort of support that. And if you sort of look at sort of the underlying movements of the FCA and sort of desire to move towards more sort of flexible outcomes-based regulation and stuff like that, what it really needs to do is ensure that its actions sort of support that and the sort of universe of firms that it regulates are able to cope with that. And there's sort of very little point in the FCA moving into that new world if you have sort of hundreds and thousands of businesses which are left behind because they're totally incapable of sort of embracing the new world of sort of a flexible outcomes-based regulatory approach. If they need certainty, if they need prescriptive-based rules, then the FCA has to sort of consider how it can support them as well as sort of supporting the broader direction of travel towards a more sort of strategic, flexible, outcomes-based regulatory universe. Mm -hmm. um, great. And, and finally, before we go, uh, I thought, Simon, if, what, what do you think of the, the overall um, Edinburgh reforms uh, sort of package? How would you mark it out of 10? 
so I will I will mark it a sort of a six out of ten. And the reason that it is a six is not because I think it is necessarily particularly negative, nor do I consider it to be necessarily positive. But in reality, what we have is a package of sort of 30 plus aspirations rather than specific reforms. Um, and for the vast majority, we need to sort of look at what the meat on those bones actually is when, when the Treasury sort of comes forward to sort of publish it. But the reason it's a six and maybe not a five is because, look, for the longest sort of period, blowhards like me have been sort of accusing you know, the FCA and, and the Treasury of sort of lacking a kind of post-Brexit vision. And we've sort of been mumbling along doing the same sort of stuff that we were doing pre-2016. What this is, and the government should take credit from that, what this is, is a forward-looking vision of what our sort of financial services industry can look like in the future. And it is exciting and it is genuinely sort of large and wide-ranging. But we can't really sort of assess whether or not it is good, whether or not it is positive, until we've actually seen what it looks like in practice, because so much of it is, we will look at this issue. Great. What does that issue actually look like? What about you, Ben? I think it's difficult to put a number on it, but I think I can't help thinking there is a bit of a mismatch between um, what it was billed as and actually what we're seeing in substance and and uh, and you know and i think that in quite a lot of instances here we're seeing tinkering at the edges and um and we'll have to see you know what that tinkering turns out to be but um uh, as i say I, I i i i don't see it as the um you know the great new the great new dawn that it was that it that it was hailed as and i suspect um you know, once once we've moved on and, and history looks back at it, 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 it is unlikely as to be to be support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee only registered investment advisors in the US, Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.